0: Welcome to ASME TechCast, where we bring you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. My name is John Kosowicz, Senior Editor of Mechanical Engineering Magazine and ASME.org. And today we're talking with Sumik Sarkar, and he is an Associate Professor of Mechanical Engineering at Iowa State University in Ames. And he's also director of its Translational AI Center and the associate director of the AI Institute for Resilient Agriculture. And welcome professor, thanks for being here. Thanks very much. Agriculture of course is embracing technology um, as other industries are. Robots are powered by sensors and artificial intelligence. They're already in the fields, killing weeds and, and picking fruits and vegetables in some cases. Um farmers are using drones to monitor soil conditions and and more precisely apply fertilizers, pesticides, or herbicides. Mm-hmm. And that's called precision farming. And um, it's relatively new. Um, and Professor, you and some of your colleagues are already looking beyond that towards something that's called ultra-precision agriculture. Mm-hmm. So before we get into that, define precision farming for us. Take us, take us to where we are. you know, uh, in the field right now? Of course.
1: Yeah, so, you know, as you said, the precision farming, this terminology has been there for some time now. And and the main idea there is to be very efficient in terms of farm management. So in farm, uh, sort of tending crops need many management. So it could be irrigation, it could be, you know, fertilizing, so, you know, applying nitrogen, it could be applying pesticides and other chemicals uh, and so basically doing them as needed rather than just indiscriminately spraying these things uh, without much thought of optimality that's what you know uh, you know we, the precision farming tries to change so it it basically tries to make sure that we do all these operations uh, you know in an as needed basis and in an efficient and optimal way
0: so that's precision farming. So let's yeah. take us to ultra precision agriculture. Right. How will that all expand on what's happening yes. on farms so now? It,
1: yeah, as it turns out, John. I mean, even though the precision farming already sounds great, and in terms of you know being being efficient with all these things, uh, it still it turns out that there is a lot of uh, you know uh, gap that you can still fill in, so even though uh, we are talking about you know precision farming. Even there, we are still talking about a, a large-scale application. Uh, so they are not looking at an individual plant or individual plot level, where you are talking about a three-four plants. They are still sort of, you know, you know, spray chemicals and and and, and or irrigation and all these things at a, at, a, at a massive scale at a, at a field or a farm scale. So going from that to an ultra-precision ag would be doing things in a much more a smaller or, or a finer scale rather. So what precision ag is, it's still a bit coarser. We're gonna do things at a much finer scale where we are going to look at, we're gonna monitor individual plants or a few plants at the same at the same time. And we're gonna come up with optimal decisions for these one or few plants and we're gonna apply using robotics and and, and other you know ultra precision actuation techniques, we're gonna apply chemicals Uh, And other things, pesticide, insecticide, at that level, rather than you know spraying things. So let me give you an example. So you know, in in a lot of insect pests that that uh, are becoming more and more dominant with changing climate, uh, is uh, usually attacks uh, from a local region, small region of the of the farm or of the field. They do not immediately you know percolate throughout the field. So if you can monitor carefully and detect insect pests. In a small region, in time, and then immediately take mitigation actions before it spreads throughout the field. You can, you know, first of all, you know, save a lot of crops, but at the same time, save a lot of chemicals. And that not only saves the environment, but also increases the profitability of farmers. So that's why we really feel like that it's time to bring, uh, you know, get from precision ag to ultra precision ag, where we can do things at an individualized uh, level. Uh, that's a much finer scale than precision.
0: Okay. Now, uh, this is all being done under this effort that's called Coales, Um yes. which, if I'm not mistaken, stands for Context Aware Learning Solutions. I'm sorry, Context Aware Learning for Sustainable Cyber Agriculture Systems. Correct. Right? That's, that's pretty much of a mouthful, huh? <laughs> that's
1: right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Please go ahead. What's What's behind all that? Tell us about the project. And is it uh, is it's like the the uh, sort of like the seed level, no pun intended, for the uh, for the technology.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so this particular project, Coalesce, uh, is something called an NSF uh, Cyber Physical Systems Frontier Project. Now, NSF Cyber Physical Systems Program uh, awards you know different projects at different scale now frontier projects are their flagship awards that is sort of the highest scale that they can go to uh, so right now it stands at 7 million dollars over 5 years so our project was awarded in 2021 uh, so it's going to go through if everything goes all right until 2026 uh, and, and and this particular uh, project as you said is focusing on uh, sort of you know developing uh, this ultra precision ag technologies and at the at this, for the sensing level, so as you can, so that we are building sensing uh, and, and how to actually you, you know, use the sensors at an individual plant level and how do you collect the data at the individual plant level, how do you process the data at the individual plant level. And then also we are looking at the reasoning and, and, and optimization modeling at the individual plant level. And then how do you do actuation in terms of using robotics and other actuation techniques um, and could be drones, uh, could be ground robots. How do you, you know, you come up with uh, actuation technologies that could, uh, you know, do farm management at the at the at the individual or a, a few plant level? So that is the overall idea for this project. And Iowa State is um, the lead institution in this project, and I'm serving as the lead PI. But we have many other uh, partners in this project. So our primary partner is University of Illinois. Uh, at Urbana-Champaign and, and their robotics and controls people. Have, we have a few great, you know, robotics and control engineers from there who are, you know, uh, a part of this project. In addition, we have uh, University of Arizona, uh, who is looking at the cyber infrastructure for this project. And then we also have uh, 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 one someone uh, who is an expert uh, in, in plant and crop modeling from Ohio State. And uh, then we also have an education expert because as an NSF project, there's a lot of uh, you know, education and, and broadening participation and broader impact focus of this project where we would like to you know, not only train new uh, students and next generation workforce in the area of cyber agricultural system, but also we wanna uh, you know, communicate and, and, and percolate this knowledge in the farming community. So there's a lot of informal learning uh, and we have someone from George Mason University who is an expert in engineering education so are looking at, at these aspects. And then finally, we have uh, a, a, an organization called Iowa Soybean Association. And this is um, a co-op uh, that, that, is, that has about 10,000 uh, farmers, Iowa farmers, as members of this uh, uh, cooperative. And this is our... You know, gateway to essentially directly connect with our main stakeholders, which are the farmers. So we work with Iowa Soybean Association to you know directly engage with farmers to learn from them, to learn about their pain points, and to also validate uh, to to make sure that whatever we are coming up with will eventually be useful to them. So that's the team and that's the overall idea. As we are very excited about you know this effort. So it's just started. We wrapped up year one. Uh, and now we are in year two, and it's you know going pretty well so far.
0: So yeah. So what was the impetus for the program originally? Uh, was there a push from industry on this to uh, to move things, take things further?
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's interesting. So um, so what? As a matter of fact, uh, there's a kind of this whole area of you know ultra precision act or digital act. So there's a few terminologies that are hanging around you know around this. Uh, And there's a lot of concerted efforts started, you know, sort of beginning of, uh, I would say, so I joined Iowa State in 2014, and right around that time, there was a lot of internal investment that was going on, and there's a lot of, you know, statewide investments. Iowa State Association actually gave us some seed funding to start thinking about these problems. Uh, And then, you know, slowly, uh, there's a lot, so National Science Foundation, USDA and NIFA sort of put out calls, you know, that precisely tries to, you know address this uh, area so so that's how and we uh, f- were fortunate to get some initial smaller scale funding to get started on this area and then over the you know after a few projects uh, we at, in those projects we heard from farmers we heard from uh, you know large uh, small and large producers uh, we also heard from these cooperatives but we also heard from industry as you said so there's industries like john deere uh, and then ag chemical companies like Bayer uh, and then we also have Corteva, Syngenta and all these people uh, you know these companies have been interested in trying to see that how you know to sort of leverage you know the the power of uh, you know data, machine learning, computing, uh, advanced control, robotics, how to leverage all these new technologies to make agriculture even more efficient than we, we have today. But, and and not just increase yield, but at the same time being sustainable. So reduce chemical, reduce water usage and increase profitability for the farmer. So essentially it kind of the need came from uh, all across the board, uh, from industries, from uh, producers, from consumers, and and also from just the need for being environmentally more sustainable, uh, you know, with this uh, changing climate situation that we have. So, you know, so it's kind of, you know, uh there's a lot of motivation from all of my inspiration from all that was about.
0: Okay. Um, so what do you what do you see the challenges in development of this and, and eventual deployment?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, so what are right. the uh, so,
0: yeah. What are the uh, what are the obstacles?
1: Yeah, so it 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 so happens as I said. So I typically the way I think about it is essentially the three legs in this one, right? So there's a sensing leg that you have to sort of sense what is going on. You have to, for example, if you are looking at insect pests, uh, you have to identify that oh, there is this insect pest that has is in in my field or in my is eating my crops, uh, and and then or this is the this disease that is going into this crop. So there's this sensing piece, and then there's this modeling piece where you have to uh, you know come up with these models and reasons reasoning that okay now that I have seen this, uh, I I have to do this because my model tells me if I apply this much. Uh, pesticide, then I'll take care of this problem, right? And then finally, the actuation—that you actually have to do it in the in the field. Now, what we for the last ten years, or even more than that, I would say maybe two decades, uh, this area of uh, there's some an area called uh, uh, high throughput phenotyping, high throughput plant phenotyping. We basically there's a lot of research effort has gone into you know come up with good sensors and and good data collection technologies to to really do Uh, sort of, you know, collecting good amount of data uh, for various different traits in a pretty good way, pretty efficient way. So that, and that solved a lot of the sensing issues. So we are getting pretty good at this, how to sense, uh, uh, you know, condition of plants at a very, you know, fine scale, individual plant scale. Now that part, while that part is getting solved, now the focus is sort of moving towards can i build better models can i build better reasoning system decision making systems and that's where you know there's a lot of you know machine learning and other uh, you know modeling technologies that will, that will come into play and i feel like that's also you know pretty achievable now in after that the it comes to actuation now that's where uh, there is still a lot of challenge so our approach is to build uh, you know small uh, ground robots and also you know uh, you know UAV drones to do this individualized actuation so spray chemical or or, or spray you know or, or you know irrigate locally or spray pesticide, fertilize insect and in a in a local region. But to actually make a lot of this uh, you know robots drones uh, you know, on the field uh, for us you know in an autonomous way and also making sure that they are cost effective, uh, that's going to take some time. So, um, for example, uh, John Deere today, they have a program called Sea and Spray where they can detect weeds and they can spray on the weeds. But they do it in a massive scale. So they basically look at a massive area and look at this, uh, you know, weeds, uh, they identify these weeds and they spray. Uh, but the spraying locally is still a very you know big challenge. Now, so that's that's kind of what we see, that there's a lot of, you know, like sensing modeling thing going to happen, but eventually to deploy these things in the field uh, and, you know, will stay, still probably take some time. And then going even further, we are also working on something called soft robotics or dexterous robotics, where uh, we essentially robots can interact with these plants almost like a human can, uh, because now they are, have dexterous arm, and so you know, and and those things are gonna take even longer to actually be fielded Because um, again, like I said, there's a lot of environmental uncertainties, a lot of you know, you know, difficulties in the wild, as we say, uh, to ensure that these robots uh, work for long enough time without he- a need for human intervention, uh, and and does the job for us. So so you know, but but we are getting there. And there is also a big labor issue in, in agriculture because of which we need these things desperately, but we'll still probably need a few years to get there.
0: Okay, so just to confirm now, you're talking about bringing this down um, uh, to the individual plant level and treating the individual plant, not just one plant within a predetermined uh, area. It would be the one plant itself.
1: Right, so we basically, you know, uh, like we have the... Uh, you know, tools and technologies today. So for example, right, a cell phone company uh, operates uh, you know they have you know so many cell phone lines, but they can manage and monitor each of them in terms of you know you know their their calls, their data usage, and so on, right? So uh, similarly, so we have the technology or we are going to have the technology soon to essentially be able to monitor that means sense the condition of each plant and continuously monitoring them. To see what their status is, so so that part is is gonna be you know doable, you know uh, pretty that will be pretty feasible, uh, but when it comes to treating them right, so in terms of whether a robot can go and individually spray chemical uh, to the, in that plant or or the in a region where there is some insects probably and spray there, uh, we have the technology to and we have proof of concept uh in you know, a research scale to show that that is feasible, but to get that at a you know level where farmers can use it uh and, and without much human intervention and kind of with peace of mind and in a cost effective way uh, that's a little far up
0: okay all right now you're also involved in some concurrent research that's being done on developing uh digital twins for a particular plant, yeah so um how does um, how does that work um, um, complement um, yes. uh, right. the work that yes. you're doing and absolutely? With, with so uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, you are talking about uh, something called an AI Institute for Resilient Agriculture. We call it Ira, and this is again an, an NSF and USDA NEFA uh, funded um, AI Institute project. Uh, that, that again, Iowa State is the lead and we have many other partners, other universities like Carnegie Mellon, uh, NYU, uh, and, and University of Arizona, University of Nebraska-Lincoln, uh, and, and George Mason, and so on. Uh, now, in in that project, that the core idea is that we want to build uh, something called Digital Twin. And now this word Digital Twin, the term Digital Twin has been out there for a long time, especially in the uh, area of manufacturing in the area of aerospace, aerospace engineering, where you basically want to build a virtual, uh, you know, you know, sort of system uh, that mimics your real life system. So anything that you want to do with your real life system, you want to try out on your virtual system, and once you feel like you have the right way to go about it, you do that on the real real system, right? So that's basically we want to build for a plant. So we want to build you know and we call it sort of biological digital twin right because these are biological systems as opposed to human engineered system or or, or you know non-biological systems so it's a little bit cha- more challenging because there's a lot of biological uncertainties environmental uncertainties but we still want to you know build these virtual representations of plants so not just individual plants but our vision is that uh, individual plant but also a few plants together then uh, the biological you know, digital twin of the field, and then digital twin of the farm. So that because you have, you have to make decisions at each level, you can take uh, individual plant level decisions. So for example, uh, I, I talked about farm management, but if you think of a plant breeder, the plant breeder is trying to think that whether a particular plant is good enough uh, to, you know, to, to produce again, uh, to keep that line alive, or a particular plant or its, its genotype is not really very useful. So uh, so you need to make those decisions at an individual plant level in many cases. So we want to you know do that, but at the same time, at a at a field level or at a farm level, you have to make other decisions that okay, overall this farm is gonna give me this much yield. So I will, you know, this would be my profit margin and things like that. So that's why we are trying to sort of build digital twin representations at different scale in an in an agricultural farm. Now, this idea of the modeling uh that we have in the ida project where pre- predominantly we are looking at breeding problems plant breeding problems but the same idea can also be used in the production level in in the coalesce project where we could again use the same idea to build individualized models of plants to uh, you know come up with you know for management decision whether how much chemical i need to do so in the in the virtual world we can try out with chemicals and nitrogen and all that and see how things going and based on that we can optimize the decision and then use it in the real plants on the real field so so that way uh, that there's some you know in terms of the core ideas and core uh you know methodology there is some similarity and some you know uh uh between this ai institute and the coalesce project and then but then there's a, a lot of other different things for example we are looking at you know primarily production agriculture in uh, the Coalesce project, whereas we, we are looking at primarily plant breeding in the ira project. So you know, uh, but these projects are we are very fortunate to have these two projects sort of going simultaneously. So there is a lot of knowledge exchange and uh, you know a lot of sort of you know cross uh, pollination of ideas that has been happening. So
0: uh, uh, with the with uh, the the development of a digital twin, say for a soybean plant. Yeah. Uh would the twin be for your generic soybean plant? And uh then would it and and then you would be able would would you be able to uh to take that and, and apply it to an individual example of a soybean? Right,
1: right. If, no, if that's a I mean. great question. Uh this is this is and this is exactly where uh I think the the, the beauty of the digital twin idea over uh the so-called crop modeling idea, which is again out there for a long, long time, uh, and the plant physiologist and and the the, the botanist and you know uh, they are building this uh, you know crop models where they essentially build models for simulation models for let's say a soy standard soybean plants or standard corn plant, but the the difference between that model and digital twin would be that a digital twin will be able to continuously ingest sensor data. So so let's say I have a soybean plant A and then soybean plant B, although they are both soybean plants, but depending on their genotypic variability, depending on how they were treated, where they are planted, their behavior can be very different. You know, in some case, they may be planted in a a bit colder place and in some another location, they could be dealing with a lot of heat or, or drought. So these plants will behave very, very differently. So the idea of digital twin is to be a, essentially make model of that plant. So we have a genetic plant, but then the genetic plant model. But then, as we are continuously observing that plant, continuously ingesting data uh, or sensor data from for that plant, we'll be able to adapt that model that reflects that plant individually. So that's why the you know the core con- the key concept of digital twin is that. Digital twin is a very personalized model, if you will, or a very individualized model. So it's not a, uh, that, that, what that means is it could, the model itself could dif- differ quite, uh, you know, a lot between soybean plants uh, from one soybean plant to another.
0: I see. Okay. How far away are we from this?
1: So, uh, yeah, so right now, you know, there is a lot of um, uh, tools and technologies and, and, and algorithms are already there and and it's being uh, developed every day. Uh, And in terms of uh, doing that in a uh, controlled environment, so if you have a nicely controlled greenhouse with a plant and you are measuring a lot of things, uh, it is it is here. You could, you know, you could build a model that could reliably, uh, you know, model how this plant will grow and, and, you know, bear fruits and so on. Right. Um, and for example, uh, there's other efforts uh, we know of. Uh, for example, in 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 Wageningen University in in, in the Netherlands, uh, they have built something called a digital twin of a tomato plant. And so, and and we have also built, you know, for soybean, corn, in 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 uh, in a, in our in a, our conditions here. Uh, so the tools and technologies are getting there. There's some more to do for sure, but the main challenge is to make sure that these models are. Uh, models work when these plants are in the field not in the control environment where there's a lot of uncertainties that you don't know of so uh, the exact soil condition the exact environmental condition you know because it's basically you are not controlling them so uh, to make sure that these digital twin models work uh, in in the field condition is something that we are striving for and it's not here today Uh, but when it comes to again in a very a sanitized, very controlled environment, uh, you can do that today.
0: Okay. Well, we're gonna have to um, stop the conversation here because this is about all the time that we have for today. Sure. So uh, thank you, uh, Professor, uh, for, for talking to us today. And thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, you can listen to other ASME TechCasts on a variety of engineering issues at your favorite platform. And my name again is John Kozwats.